It's great to be back with you. Two weeks ago, I was with our group in Israel, and then last week we canceled, uh, moved to this week, what we had scheduled for last week. So thank you for those of you that kind of rearranged your schedule to be here. But we've got special guests with us today, Jadreen Haywood, who is our candidate for... Uh, our new pastor position of adult discipleship and outreach. Many of you, as I look out in our uh, crowd today, many of you were here Sunday night and were able to uh, ask some questions and to get to hear about his story, uh, his call to ministry, and some of the uh, some of the questions that people asked. And hopefully, you've already been able to uh, read through the literature that we gave uh, about his family his testimony, uh, the way he views uh, the role of adult discipleship and outreach and the life of the church and all of those things. Today is an opportunity for us to really get to hear his heart. So this is not gonna be a question and answer session. That's what we did on Saturday. Uh, really our goal is twofold, to hear from him, how he uh, views biblically the role of disciple making and outreach in the life of the church, uh, but also because a good portion of his role here is going to be uh, training teachers and teaching equipment classes and setting up these things. We wanted to give him an opportunity to teach kind of in this long form setting here on Wednesday nights as equip is going to be something that he oversees or will oversee as a part of his ministry here. And so we couldn't think this is a, as best of an opportunity as we could give him. So thank you for being here for that. On Sunday morning, we will vote together. The elders in our advisory panel are going to be making a recommendation to the church that we call Jadrian uh, to be a pastor here at Nansman River. And so we will be voting with no discussion, just really briefly at the end of the service. We will stay together in the service um, and uh, have the votes counted and we'll be able to make that announcement uh, at, the, at the end of the service on Sunday. So we look forward to that final step of the process and today is just kind of a part of that process where you, uh, we together as the congregation, uh, get to uh, meet him and hear from him uh, and evaluate his call to ministry and giftedness to serve here as a pastor at Nansman River. So I want to pray for us and I want to pray for Jay and then I'm gonna turn it over to him so he can have all the time uh, that we can give him tonight. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have brought our congregation to this point here along with uh, the Haywood family, that you've brought them to this point and that it seems as if uh, in your providence that you are guiding us together, us as a family of faith at Nansman River and, they, and them, uh, the Haywood family, and that you would bring us together for Jay to serve as a pastor in our church and for them to serve as a part of our congregation, and for him to lead us in the areas of adult discipleship and outreach. I pray for our congregation as we make this decision together, uh, as we uh, consider this recommendation from our elders and advisory panel who are so excited for these opportunities for our congregation to get to hear from him and, and to meet him. I pray for this time that we'll spend over the next hour or so tonight as he shares his heart and he shares from scripture uh, about this role and the the function of disciple making and outreach in the life of the church. God, would you um, bless him as he comes to speak? God, would you challenge our hearts, begin now using him in the life of our church uh, to increase our Christ-likeness as we grow in our understanding of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and increase in us a passion for the lost in our community and around the world uh, as we hear about what does it mean for a church to go beyond its own walls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So will you bless this time that we spend together in Jesus name. Amen. Church family, will you welcome Jadrian Haywood? Thanks, Pastor. Well, Pastor, I appreciate you uh, praying for us and getting me up here and man, it's a good looking group you got out here. 
Um, I want to give a special shout out to this corner here. They're, those guys are going to keep me uh, timely, so I know if I get a little, t- there you go. <laughs> um, so welcome tonight for those of you that, uh, you know, that have come out and taken your time to be with us. So again, my name is Jay Haywood. I go by Jay typically, and I'd like to just spend a little bit of time with you all tonight and talk to you about kind of my perspective on discipleship and outreach. And um, when I say my perspective, understand that um, I'm not the authority on anything. I go to scripture first, you understand. And so I'd like to kind of point you to scripture to a couple passages that I think are important that at least um, for my time as a, as a Christian have really kind of pricked my heart and pointed me in the right direction when it comes to these things. And so um, I think the best way to start is kind of by giving an illustration. So in, I think I shared a little bit this on Sunday, but in February of 2003 is the, uh, around the first week of the, of the month is when I kind of submitted my life um, to Christ is, is the point where I said, you know what, you know, I, I kind of ruined it enough at this point and I knew that there was something better out there. I knew that what I was living wasn't right. I knew it wasn't healthy and I knew that it was uh, going to lead me on a path of destruction. And so initially when I came to the Lord, I didn't know much. I was telling the gentleman earlier, I was raised in, you know, kind of AME Zion churches or, or uh, missionary Baptist churches. And, and so I knew, you know, cognitively of Christianity, you know what I'm saying? A lot of you grew up like that. I knew that Jesus was available to kind of get me out of trouble, kind of like a bell bondsman, you know what I'm saying? And so my prayer in that February night was, hey, I, I, need, a, I need you to pull me out of this. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever said a prayer like that before? Just being honest with yourselves. There you go. Amen. Very good. And so um, it, it wasn't a, a sincere move in to- the direction of Christ being my Lord and Savior. You understand what I'm saying? It was a start. And so when I made that prayer and, you know, I said, look, Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you my life. Um, I believe that moment I, I was saved but it took a while for me to actually become a disciple of Christ. Is anybody with me? And if you're not, that's okay. I'll try to, try to explain what I mean a little bit further. It took me a while before my faith kind of flourished and became my own. And it took a while before I could really see the fruits of my relationship with Christ um, in my life and, the, and others to kind of recognize those things as well. And it took a lot of intentional commitment. It took a lot of humility. It took a lot of people in my life. And it took a lot of, uh, frankly, failure for me to figure out how to do this. And, and I want to show you some of those things in scripture. It is my intent that tonight we will leave here with three basic definitions, or at least three really basic understandings of what it is to be a disciple, right? What it is to what what discipleship is? Excuse me. So, what it is to be a disciple? What discipleship is? And then, what is outreach? Right. And so, for some of you, this may be like you know, like old hat. You know what I'm saying? But I think for me, I'd like to at least be able to begin um, with my understanding of those three things because it's kind of the foundation of my walk with Christ, and I believe it is the it's a good place to start. So. As we think about discipleship and we think about what it is to be a disciple, um, 
we have to start with the author himself, with Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please go ahead and yank one of them out. Um, Jesus is the bar none authority on what it is to be a disciple. And so I'm going to keep it pretty simple. We're going to go straight to the Lord and hear from him through his words on what it is to be a disciple. Very seldomly will I step out on my name. (laughs) I ain't got enough credibility. I ain't got enough leverage. And I probably got more, you know, bad stuff associated with, yeah, I'm joking. But um, we're going to go to Jesus' words and figure out what does he really say about what it means to disciple or to be a disciple. So if you can turn to Luke And we're going to go to the 14th chapter, Luke 14. And while you're turning there, I'll keep kind of yapping a little bit to give you some time to turn. I want to give you one basic definition of what I believe it means to be a disciple, kind of summarizing what Christ said here. A disciple is someone that day by day follows Jesus. Pretty simple, right? Day by day follows Jesus. That's a disciple of Christ. Day by day. Let's look at Luke 14, verses 26 and 27. Luke 14, 26 and 27. I'm going to read out of the ESV, so if you can follow along with me, I'd appreciate it. Beginning with verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own flesh or their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Discipleship is a, or following Jesus, is a very humble, humiliating at times perhaps, but it's a very selfless kind of endeavor. If you are leading your life, you can't really follow Jesus. And it's interesting to say that he, or interesting that he points out that not only must we forsake the things that we love more than him, but we also have to carry our cross. And so I think for me, at least, when I came to Christ, um, there are some things that mattered to me a whole lot more than Jesus. I still cared about my reputation. I still cared about my, perhaps my income. I still cared about um, a lot of things in the world that were not necessarily providing for me, but I still look to them for provision and protection. And Christ tells us clearly that we must forsake all of those things. Now, does it necessarily mean that we are to leave our families? Does it mean that we're to leave our jobs? Sometimes it means we're to leave our jobs, depending on what kind of line of work you're doing. Does it mean that we are to um, just forget about those things? No, that's not what he's asking us, but it needs to be clear that Jesus has to be first in your life. And I think it's very difficult sometimes for us to put Jesus first in our lives. We conceptually understand that. And I think we want to really live that out. But are we really putting Christ first in 
our lives. And I think the way that we know that Christ is first is when we are truly bearing our own cross. Each of us have a burden to bear. Each of us do. And, and some of our burdens are heavier than others, perhaps. I'd like to think my wife probably has the heaviest burden of anyone that I know because she's got to deal with me. And her burden is way heavier than mine because I've got to deal with her. But each of us have our own cross to carry. And Christ gives us that cross to make us dependent on him. A disciple has to reject the things that are in their life that perhaps can be perceived as Jesus in their life. There's nothing that can take the place of God. God has always been clear in scripture that he's very jealous, that if there are idols in our lives that we need to bury them, but it's hard sometimes to really recognize those idols, which is why I believe Christ gives us a cross to bear. Three times Paul, when he was dealing with whatever the issue is, we don't really know, but he had something that, that plagued him to keep him humble, we find in 2 Corinthians 10. And Paul said over and over he tried to get Christ to remove this thing from him, and the Lord wouldn't. He kept him humble. It was his opportunity to maintain his status as a disciple. And I think sometimes we fight those things away when we really should just embrace them. We are to carry our cross, not to give it up. If we keep reading through the words of Jesus, we'll go to John chapter 13, 35. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there if you'd like to. I'll let you. But John chapter 13, verse 35. There's another pretty good definition, or maybe not definition, but description of what a disciple is according to Jesus. And he says here, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The second attribute, at least according to Jesus, is not only are we denying the things that in life we could see as God's, the things that matter more than Christ, and we're taking on our cross, but we're also loving one another. It's sad to me, I think, to hear of how much Christians are known for fighting with each other or how much conflict there can be, at least to outsiders. Um, and when I say outsiders, I understand I'm not talking about, you know, an elite club or anything, but I'm talking about those outside of the church who don't know Christ. Um, but we're known at times for the ones that fight with each other, which, and then we at times do fight with each other, don't we all? Um, but Christ tells us that they'll know our love for each other by how we treat each other, by how we treat each other. There was a situation a few, maybe about a year ago now, at a church that I was associated with, and um, unfortunately it wasn't handled very well. There were two Christians that just didn't agree on things, and, and um, it was a great opportunity for us to bring that conflict before the church and just kind of have a a good discussion about it. And really it was a good opportunity for us just to minister to the, to the church and show them kind of how to do things properly. But there are a lot of egos that were caught up in that situation and, and some other things happened where it kind of boiled out of control and an individual leaving, ended up leaving our church at the time on pretty bad terms. Um, when we look back at the first attribute that we, we talked about earlier in terms of just um, picking up your cross and forsaking all things, that that cross is really important because it gives us a level of humility where we'll come before each other and we're not 
ashamed to admit our failures and our shortcomings. I think that's why Christ wants us to have it. And so if we, if we don't, at least according to Philippians chapter two, verse three, if we don't recognize that others are more important than ourselves, it's gonna be really hard for us to love one another. It's gonna be very difficult for us to see the value in each other. And we'll see ourselves as more important perhaps. And when it comes to these areas of conflict, it's, it's almost impossible for us to genuinely love one another genuinely love one another. Now we know what it's like to put on that fake smile and the how you doings and, uh, and you know, I'll pray for you, but genuinely love for one another. Love isn't a easy thing to do, right? We can all, you know, maybe buy a, um, I don't know, bring a, a pound cake or something by your house, which is nice. We love pound cake, right? But I mean, we can do those kinds of things, but for someone to actually love you, it's a little bit more intentional and it's a little deeper than kind of those surface level situations. Love, if we think about it, is, is a very difficult thing to do separate from Christ, to bear with one another, to, um, to serve one another, to be honest, to encourage one another. Um, those are difficult things to do. So as we look at from Jesus's words, what it means to be a disciple, I'd like us to consider first those two ideas. One, that... You must bear your own cross and forsake everything that's not Jesus in terms of priority, I suppose. And secondly, that we must love one another. And the third idea, if you go to chapter 15 of John, verse 8 is where I'd like to kind of round things off in terms of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. John 15, verse 8. And I believe this is probably the most telling uh, of our lives if we are to look and see if we are really disciples of Jesus. John 15 verse 8 says simply, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When I initially came into the faith, um, there are still some things that I had to deal with. Uh, probably the first and most prominent was my temper or lack of patience. I was a hot-headed kid, thought I knew it all, and had a chip on my shoulder. And it took a while for for me to give that over to the Lord, so He can file down that chip. And so, you know, a few months after knowing the Lord, I still find myself doing things and just being angry and just kind of frustrated all the time. And I couldn't really shake that. But what was different, at least about me at that point, is that I became convicted of those things. I became convicted that um, I was angry. If, if there was a situation where I felt disrespected and I wanted to fight, I became more aware of my anger. And so that was the beginning of the Holy Spirit's work in my life and in my heart to, to make me aware of some of the shortcomings. And then I read a really good book. And I'm sure some of you have read, it's called When Good Men Get Angry. I think it's by Bill Perkins. That sound right? But it's uh, When Good Men Get Angry. And it talked to me and discipled me, essentially, um, in the area of temper. And I started to realize that there was just a lot of pride that I was dealing with as a young man. There's a lot of unforgiveness in my heart. All of these things were interfering with my ability 
to bear fruit that look like Christ in my life. And so slowly but surely, as I continued day by day to follow Jesus, things started to look different. And then folks around me started to say, hey, there's something different about you. Um, you're, you're not like you used to be. You, you, you don't talk the same. You don't smell the same. You know, I was taking baths, finally. There's something different about you which was when I really started to get excited about Christianity because I felt like I could share Christ and not do it in a way that didn't match up with what I was actually living as a person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like my talk and my walk were starting to finally come together. And I realized that the most important aspect of my life as a disciple was that I was just not giving over the things that mattered to me. Um, I wasn't giving them to the Lord. I still held on to a lot of anger. Sometimes anger and fr- or, or bitterness and unforgiveness, those things are kind of like a cloak that we carry around. They keep us warm. You know, they, they help us to, to, um, to feel a sense of identity. They're labels that we like to carry. Mine was adopted for a number of years or, or given up or mixed or whatever label that we caught, you know, conjure up in our mind or something that we believe that someone says about us. And so those labels became, for me, more important to me than what God was telling me that I really was. And so as I went through my life, I started to see, okay, I'm, these labels are my God, essentially. They're, they're identifying me. Um, and so I began to, to go through a process. And what I'd like for you to do is as we talk about just really basic stuff, what is it to be a disciple? I'd like for you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to work on those three little areas within, within you um, as I do the same. You know, what is it in your life right now that is stopping you from fully day by day following Jesus? I think if we're honest, there's something that kind of pops up every now and then for all of us. Um, But there's something there that if you allow it to, if that voice becomes loud enough, if it continues to grow in your life, it will come between you and your walk with Christ. Is there something that's causing you not to love another Christian? And when I say love, again, I'm not talking pound cakes. I'm talking forgiveness. Um, I'm talking service, I'm talking gentleness, I'm talking bearing with one another, right? Um, Those are attributes of disciples. There should be a way that you treat each other, that we treat each other as Christians that's different than than how we treat other people. We, We should favor one another essentially because we are kindred spirits, right? We, I was talking with the gentleman earlier, the guys, and we, we kind of had a, 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 a connection initially just from our military backgrounds. And it, it was something that, you know, it didn't take much. And, you know, pastor chimed in a little bit and shared his experiences, you know, in, in terms of his family and stuff. We had a connection right away. It was fun. It was easy, right? Do we as people of God have a connection to where it's visible, it's easily identifiable and it's contagious even amongst the community. Um, We talk a lot about how we look to the community and how we present ourselves. And, And 
I'd really like for us, and I'm not saying that we're not there yet, but I'd really like for us to be a church that reflects the love of Christ to the world, toward each other, before we get to the point where we're showing love to other people, to be honest with you. So just keeping it basic, what is it to be a disciple? Someone that follows Jesus day by day. He is your Lord. It's not your thing, your unforgiveness, your divorce, your, I don't know, fill it in. I don't know. You know, there's always something, right? Sin has a lot of different ways to manifest, and so does the devil. He's very um, witty in that way, how he kind of creates these labels, and we take them and bite them, um, hook, line, and sinker. But Christ has given us a title. He's given us the freedom and he's given us our own cross to bear. We don't need to take on any others. And so I challenge you tonight to really just ask yourself, am I really a disciple of Jesus? And, and it's not, it shouldn't be an automatic, yes. It should be something that you should really think about. Am I really a disciple? So then we have this larger idea of discipleship, Right? We know what it is to be a disciple, but there's this process called discipleship, and they're different. I'd like to make sure that we understand the two. They're, they're two totally different things. So my definition, and I'll go to scripture to support this, of discipleship is day by day becoming more like Jesus with the result of helping others to do the same. I'm going to let that sit and then I'll say it again. Day by day, becoming more like Jesus with the result of helping others to do the same. That's me. That's what Jay says. And I believe it's true. So let's, let's see if I can support it in scripture. Let's go to Ephesians. God, I love Ephesians, man. Paul's got so many jewels in Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. I wish I can read this entire chapter, but I'll read like half of it. Ephesians chapter one, day by day following Jesus with the result of helping others do the same. That is discipleship. Ephesians chapter one, we're gonna read verses 15 all the way down to 23. I believe there's a pew Bible in front of you. If I would have done my homework, I would have had the page number figured out by now. Forgive me. For those of you that are using those. Nine seventy six, the sister says, thank you. All right. See, that's love right there, y'all. Okay, Ephesians chapter one, verse fifteen through twenty three. It's a long passage, so I'll try to read it slowly. Um, but please read along with me. Beginning at first, excuse me, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Let's pause for a second. That sounds familiar, right? And your love for all of God's people. Beginning again in verse 16. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that if, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. We'll stop right there. Paul here in this passage is, I think Ephesians is probably one of his most, maybe Galatians, emotional books. I don't know. I'll I'll have to really think about that. But I think Ephesians really just, he is able to convey a lot of how he feels about this group of people. And he cares about them deeply. Paul has been, or he's assigned himself, or God has assigned him, honestly, to oversee this community of believers. He has taken on the responsibility to cultivate their faith. He wants them so desperately to know Christ and for them to know the fullness of Christ in their lives. Paul's excited about their faith. He's excited about them knowing how God sees them and how they should in turn see other people because of that. Paul is going on and on in his way to really, to, to really, I guess, reflect how much it means to him for them to grow in their faith and then bloom in that process. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's worth reading again, but I don't really have a lot of time to do so. Paul is passionate about their faith. So much so that he is committed to them developing their faith. He's practicing and and demonstrating for us what it means to disciple someone or the process of discipleship. We need to be more excited about the faith of another than they are about their own faith. If you're not in a place where you can see the potential of someone in Christ and it just doesn't bother you that they're not quite there, not in a critical way, Okay, hear me out. I'm not saying that, you know, we're here to, you know, to pick and prod and man, you know, you know, old whoever doesn't pray enough or, or whoever still can't stop gambling or whatever the thing is. I don't know. But we see their potential in Christ. And if that doesn't get us excited, then there's something there that we need to, to check. Do you understand what I'm saying? You should get excited about someone else's faith. I, I was here back in... Oh gosh, I forgot, I forget when we baptized last. There were a couple, I believe Pastor Michael, no, darn, Pastor Brian. Did Michael? I said it right. I'm so bad at this. There was a baptism here a few weeks ago. I should have just kept it simple. And um, the church just just went crazy. Um, We love, as Baptists, to see folks get baptized, don't we? I mean, we, hey man, (laughs) I love it. It gets me um, fired up. And I was sitting back over there and I teared up. Every time it happens, it doesn't matter if they're young or old. I believe there was a couple generations of age. Anyway, we love to see folks get baptized, man. And, and it's, that's the kind of fire that we should have in us as we see folks walking closer and closer to Jesus day by day. And that is Christ's intent for us in our lives to find someone to do that with. And if we're not 
finding or finding ourselves in a process with someone else where we're growing them closer to our faith, then I believe we need to get back to the drawing board of our own faith and figure out where are the kinks at. It's like long algebra or long division. When you get something wrong and at your final answer, you got to go back and rework it all. You know, the Holy Spirit's job in our lives is to help work out those kinks. You know what I'm saying? So what is it that's stopping us from doing that? I'll go out on a limb and say, I believe that God has placed someone in each of our lives. Sometimes it's more than one person if you're lucky. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but I'm not, right? Someone in your life right now needs you to bring them closer to Jesus. And I don't know who that person is. I know that there are people in my life who I have been assigned to, perhaps is, is probably a heavy word, but who God has placed me in their lives divinely to help them grow in their faith. And I know also subsequently there are people who I fall under in terms of that process that help me grow closer to Christ. And so the process just kind of continues to repeat itself until you get to kind of, <laughs> you know, until you go to heaven, probably, you know? And so who is that person or why is there no one? And so I had to really work through this in my own heart when I found myself at a place where I wasn't helping anyone get closer to Jesus. And I had to say, why, Lord? Well, well, it's only because, you know, they don't want to know the Lord or it's only because they're not interested in things of faith or it's only because they keep going out and drinking every weekend. So I'm not going to be here for them to come and pray with, you know. And then the pride started to reveal itself in me. The pride started to, to show itself. The longer you're walking with the Holy Spirit in your life, he will not let you go walking around with boogers in your nose. You know what I'm saying? He's going to help you work through that process. And so again, what is that that's keeping you from being a disciple? What is it that's causing you to not flourish in your faith? Um, and that's not something that I can ask. And I like to poke and prod because this is what I pray for myself personally. I don't want to just show up and, 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 you know, get a ring when it's time to go to heaven. Like I, I really want my life to be here and, and have kingdom value. Um, and I don't want anything to get in, in the middle of that. I don't want any biases that I have to get in the middle of that. I don't want any unforgiveness that I have to get in the middle of that. I don't want any prejudice that I have to get in the middle of that. I don't want nothing stopping me from helping somebody grow closer to Jesus. And if God's put my neighbor next to me and I got a problem with the Coast Guard, <laughs> I need to get through that. Because guess what? She's in the Coast Guard. And maybe I need to stop with the jokes so that I can actually have an opportunity just to have a conversation about things of faith with her. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is it that is not getting us excited about the growth of another. It's not just the, the, the baptisms that we should be rooting for. There's a whole lot that has to take place before someone gets to that point, amen? And after that, there's a whole lot more before they get to the point where they're hopefully discipling someone else. And so I would ask you, through the Holy Spirit, to evaluate your walk, um, as I do, as we all do, um, it's a healthy thing to do. Every year we go get a checkup. Some, some of us twice a year. Um, it's called a physical, right? You know, 
and you go and they scan you and they do things to you and take your blood and all that jazz. And have you done that lately spiritually? Um, have you kind of assessed where you are as a person of faith? If this church is going to be a discipling church, then we must first be disciples of Jesus. We must first be disciples. There's no way to be a disciple maker if you're not a disciple. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? That, that's not possible to do. We can't do that, pastor. Right? We just can't. It's, you can make good people. Right? You can make moral people. The world's got enough of those kind of people. We need godly people. We need people who are living out Christ in this world. Because if we don't get to that part, then we can't get to the final step, and that is outreach. Outreach. My final idea or concept that I'd like to talk to you about is, is outreach, right? What is it? How does it look? And how do we do it, perhaps? I don't know if we'll go too deep into that. But again, I'm going to try to keep this simple. My definition got a little wordy here, but I'll read to you what I think outreach is. Christ disciples practically expressing the gospel, period. Christ possessive, my, my S's don't come out all the time. Disciples practically expressing the gospel, that's it. When I looked through scripture and I searched hard, pastor, I searched hard. I said, where can we find a, a definition of outreach? Where, where do we see it happening in scripture, right? Is there a bake sale? Is there a God bless the chili cookers? But is there a chili cook off in there somewhere? Is there a, help me out folks. Is there a, um, whatever, you know, where do we see those things happening? And I'll be honest with you. I didn't find many of those things. But here's what I did find. Over and over and over, we're commanded to go out, to go out, to go out and preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Outreach is the practical expression of that thing itself. The means might be a chili cook-off. It might be a bake sale. It might be a foot washing, praise God, if you're in that thing. I like it. I did a couple times. But the end is always, church, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And if it's not, again, we need to go back and rework out those kinks. All right, I'll, I'll justify that if I can. Um, let's go to... Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, excuse me. First Thessalonians chapter one. I think verse three is where we'll start. Verse three. We'll read probably all the way down to verse 10. First Thessalonians, verse three, and we'll go down about verse 10. Actually, we'll start at verse 2. I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. This is an uh, interesting book here. 
as we see, it's Paul in kind of his younger days of his missionary times. This is one of the first churches that he planted. This is one of the first places where he even got to a successful kind of gospel campaign. And I'll give you a little bit of the backdrop just because I like the story. Um, in Thessalonica, Paul went and tried to just tell people about Jesus. Let me back up a second. I need to give him the why. Paul went in response of a vision that he had. And Acts 17 talks about this. Someone was calling him over to Thessalonica. I believe he was in Asia Minor at the time, I think. And, there, and he got this dream, this vision of someone saying, hey, come over to Macedonia. Macedonia is kind of the bigger area. It's kind of like Tidewater and and Thessalonians is kind of like, I don't know, Newport News, something like that, you know? And so they're calling him in this dream to go over. So he goes over, and this is his MO. He goes to a synagogue, and he starts talking about Jesus, right? And of course, what happens? Most Jews get mad at him, and they try to beat him up, but he does it again. So he stayed in Thessalonia for three weeks, at least, that we have, that we're able to understand, before things got too hot for where he had to get up out of town. Right? And so he probably stuck around for a little bit longer than that. But while he was there, the believers, or well, there became believers. Or folks believed you know, him and, and accepted Jesus as their savior. Both Jews and Gentiles, women of, um, of significance, of importance, it even mentions in scripture, which is significant. So there, there's a huge group of Jews, Gentiles, men, women, rich, poor, a really dynamic group of folks that took on their faith. And then Paul got his butt kicked, essentially, and he had to dip out with his tail between his legs. He ran and he left Thessalonia in the cover of night, kind of like a black ops mission. You know what I'm saying? He got pulled up out of there. And when he left, as far as he knew, the Christians were still there getting beat up and persecuted and all those other things because that's what was happening everywhere, right? The church only was shown to be I guess, active if there was a response to persecution. Imagine that. John MacArthur's feeling that a little bit right now. I probably shouldn't have said that, but um, the Christian church is not a safe place to be if you're really proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to jump out on a limb a little bit, Pastor. If you're really preaching the gospel, it's not such a safe place to be. So Paul got ran out of town, and as he's gone, he's back in, I believe, Corinth at this point. He's writing back to figure out exactly what's going on. He's trying to send folks to Thessalonica, Timothy and some of the other folks, to figure out what's going on. And then before he even gets to send a letter, he gets word that they are not only alive and well, but they are thriving in their faith, okay? Just to kind of set it up. So we, we find Paul here so excited about this young church dynamic church of believers who took on the faith as imitators of Christ and who now are living it out. So beginning in verse two, Paul says here, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I wish I had more time to talk about those three ideas, but pastor says I, I got to get out of here by 730, so I got to keep it short, but man, maybe another day. Verse four, for we know, brothers, for we know, comma, brothers loved by God, 
that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also power in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what the men, or you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. I don't know if I can say that I've ever received the word of God in much affliction. I just don't have that reality. It's been in very comfortable situations. It's been in comfortable settings. I've been very blessed to not understand what that means, guys. Try to put yourself with them. They received the word of God in much affliction, beginning here right at verse 7, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, verse 7, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Acacia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. If we read further in Thessalonians, we'll see that these folks were busy about God's work. This was a small crew. I've had I've been a part of organizations before where like, you know, there's a few that do the work of many, right? I think it's, I've heard it say like 20% do like 100% of the work or something like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? This was a small group of convicted believers. They were on fire for the Lord and their name spread all over Macedonia, the larger area, and it got all the way back to Corinth, right? Which was probably a few hundred miles away, 300, something like that, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? This small group made a big noise and they did so by spreading the gospel. And they did it practically as well. They went and loved on folks and helped the poor. They went and and found other jobs to do. As a matter of fact, Paul gets mad at some of them for not working and doing their part to maintain themselves. He even says that if you're not working, you're not worthy of even eating. Right, So he, they were busy in the right type of ways. There's a thousand different things that we can do, folks, to practically engage the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. A thousand different things. It's a contextual thing. In the military, we would do perhaps homecoming or a housewarming, not housewarming, but homecoming potlucks, right? Because that was our context, our context. We contextualized what it meant for us. But the goal was to preach the gospel. We do barbecue Bible studies at my house every few weeks back in Maryland, right? I just needed to figure out how can I contextualize the gospel so that at the end of the day, I'm letting people know about Jesus. I do coffee, I'll roast coffee. I'll do whatever it takes that's moral and ethical, all for the purpose of telling folks about Jesus. So what is outreach? Outreach is the practical expression. What is it that needs to get done? Where's the void at? Where's the need? How do we meet it? But the end goal is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we are not at the end of the day doing that, then what we're doing is just a bunch of busy work. 
We're, we're just not. We're making a bunch of noise. We're, we're, I don't know. We're just sounding a gong, perhaps. We need to bring the gospel to this community because that is the chief need of all people. Make no mistake about it. There is not a, right now I'm waiting on a house to get approved for a loan. I, I need that loan to go through, but do I really need that loan to go through? Where's Dale at? I believe I said his name right. I probably messed that up. I need Jesus in my life and I need to see his work in my life in the lives of others. Do you understand what I'm saying? I need my brothers and sisters to be in heaven with me. I need my children to know Christ, right? And how do I do that? Well, I make sure they've got food and things like that. And maybe I'll buy them a pair of Air Jordans here and there. But at the end of the day, I want them to know Jesus. And that has to be the means, excuse me, the end. And the means, well, it's, it's, it's up to the context. It's up to the situation. How do we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. I think we're doing it fabulously right now in a lot of different ways. I think there's some new things that we can do differently, perhaps because the context is changing. The world's changing. So how we do it? Well, we'll figure it out, right? And I think some of you are going to be the, the conduits of how that should happen. But ultimately, outreach is practically expressing the gospel of Jesus. And if the end of it, you're not ready to share your faith, and let's go back and let's figure that out. Let's figure out what it is that's stopping me from saying, hey, do you know Jesus? And let me tell you about my Jesus. I love that song. And if you don't know how to do that, we'll help you. I promise we will. Everyone should have a story. This is what Christ did for me. And if you don't, well, let me talk to you afterwards. Come up here and talk to pastor. But I'll let you know, he's, everyone's got a story. Just start with that. And there's someone in your life right now that needs to hear that story because they're discouraged, because they're tired, because they're broken, they're burdened, and everything else they've tried ain't working. I think that's one of the best things that COVID did for the church is show everyone out there that there is nothing that will work. They've tried it all. Everything will fail them. But Jesus, and we have the opportunity to share that truth. That's a privilege, a high privilege. And so as I get ready to close, I'd, I'd like to end in a brief time of prayer. When I say brief, I'm not talking Baptist prayer. Like I'm talking like legit, like about a one minute prayer um, where I would ask you before we begin to pray to search your hearts. What is it that going back to what it, uh, fundamentally we have to be disciples first. What is it that we're hanging on to that is stopping us from bearing our cross, right? And again, some of these things go back years, folks. I've got family members who've been holding on to things for 70 plus years, and I can't, I can't take it from them because they won't give it to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm trying, but I'm seeing that they're just they're wanting to hang on to it. They're, they're, it's part of... It's part of who they are, at least they think. What is it that's holding us back from embracing our cross? Secondly, are we loving one another? Are we loving those who are Christians? Are we loving those who also proclaim to be followers of Christ? 
right? And, and that group is special, right? It's specialer than our neighbors if they're not Jesus followers. It, that group should be exclusive above all other groups. And I'm not saying this on my own. This is from scripture. Your family even, if they're not believers, should be a little different than those of you or those of us that proclaim Christ as our Lord and Savior, okay? And then thirdly, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of your life? Are, are you struggling to outwardly express your faith? Not out of your own compulsion, not out of your own morals or ethics, but genuinely, can you do that? And here's how you know, at least this is how I know, the folks that are closest to me, who am I to them? Now, my 14-year-old's a little throwed off, so she doesn't count. Because um, <laughs> day by day, that changes. Bless her. Um, but my wife, right? Who am I to her? Who am I to my mama? Who am I to the folks that see me in my darkest times, in my lowest places? You understand what I'm saying? Um, it's easy for, for us to be somebody out in public, but who are we to our core? And so I would ask you to consider those three concepts. Before we get to discipleship, pastor, and outreach, we first need to be disciples of Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and acknowledge that you are the King of King and Lord of all lords. We thank you that you have sent your helper, the Holy Spirit, into our lives to assist us in this process of sanctification, of being disciples, of being your followers. And Lord, we have a huge calling in this world. It is a dark place and many don't know you. And there are many who are afraid and have tried different things. Lord, we pray that you would use us right now to reach this world. Lord, please bring to mind someone in our lives that needs to know you, someone who needs to get encouraged in the gospel, someone, Father God, that we can pray for and ultimately share the truth of the gospel of salvation with, Lord. If there be anything in our lives, Father God, that we're holding on to that's stopping us from embracing our cross, Lord, let it be known that we may surrender it over to you, Lord. Help us to love one another, Father God, that they may know that we are your disciples, Lord. And then may we bear fruit, Lord, as we go out into this world so that we can draw people onto us, Lord, that we may then reflect them back to you. As we think about discipleship and outreach, Father God, give us ways by which we are to reach the needs of others, Lord. But ultimately, Father God, may they know you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, Jay. So folks, I hope this has been helpful for you in a couple of ways. First, um, it's always helpful when we're challenged from the word of God in our own hearts and in our own practice. And I think that's what you heard tonight as it relates to uh, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to make disciples, and what it means to go outside of these walls and practically um, proclaim the gospel to people around us. But also, I hope it's helpful for you just to get to know uh, this brother's heart as uh, we seek, uh, as a congregation, 
to affirm this call uh, that he would have to come and serve as a pastor uh, amongst our team of elders here uh, and for his family to come and serve amongst us as a congregation. And so we look forward to affirming that uh, together on Sunday morning. You'll have another opportunity on Sunday to hear from him briefly. He's not going to be preaching on Sunday morning, uh, but he is going to share just briefly again on Sunday. And then at the end of the service, uh, we'll have an opportunity for our church members to vote together uh, on that recommendation from our elders. So I want to thank you uh, for being here. And I know uh, Jadrian just prayed, but it wouldn't be all right if I didn't just close some prayer. So let me do that. And then he's going to hang out for a little bit. If you haven't had an opportunity to meet him personally, uh, you could do that uh, tonight because there'll be a lot more people here Sunday. And so maybe you would get that in today and not have to wait till then. So let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you uh, for how you've moved our church to this point. And we look forward, God, to seeing what you'll do uh, on Sunday, kind of at the culmination of this process. Thank you for the word of encouragement that we were able to hear from Jay today. God, I pray that all of us would look in our lives and say, God, what am I putting between uh, myself and you? Uh, what is keeping me? What's holding me back from following Jesus with every ounce of my being? And what is keeping me from helping others follow Jesus with every ounce of their being? May we be a church, God, that does what our mission says. Make disciples that make disciples. Let that be our goal with every room on this campus, with every ministry that comes out of this church, for every member that shows up here week after week, let our heartbeat be, make disciples, be a disciple. Show others how they can follow Jesus. Let us do that, God, until you take us home, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to those that join us online. We look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. God bless you.